This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast. The Nuggets are on the cusp of the Western Conference Finals. The Rockies are getting hot. And it's part two of Drew's conversation with Nuggets TV analyst Scott Hastings. Talking about what award Nikola Jokic really wants. And you know what one that will be the most significant is when Joker's walking around in a parade downtown with the Larry O'Brien trophy and the Bill Russell MVP trophy. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. It is show number 201, and we're coming to you semi-live. Okay. All recorded from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on another beautiful day. It is Wednesday morning that we're taping this. The Rockies in a couple of hours will be taking on the uh, Pirates. I have a gorgeous view across the Allegheny from my hotel room of PNC Park. I mean, if I had really good vision, I could probably name guys on the grounds crew right now working on the field. Also, this is a new record from what I have gleaned from my partner, Corey Sullivan, who grew up here. Three straight days, not a cloud in the sky, has just broken the all-time weather record in Pittsburgh. Man, we've got phenomenal weather in, uh, in Pittsburgh. Really good weather in New York as well. Uh, which was awesome. have to tell you, whenever I go to New York, my hometown, I don't get a lot of sleep. Do not get a lot of sleep. We rolled in last week, uh, got to the hotel around, I don't know, 12.30, 12.40. And um, so I, I had to go out and have at least a quick beer around the corner at Connolly's. I, I just... You know, I, I gotta, I gotta feel the vitality, of the city, and even at that hour, um, you know, there's places that are still going. So that was fun, uh, running the park every day. You know my routine. I've told you before, uh, but you don't get a lot of sleep, man. So by the time I got to Pittsburgh, I, I had to crank out a couple of uh, eight plus hour uh, deals to get uh, get caught up so to speak. But it's been a good road trip for the Rockies. We'll get to that in a moment. But got to talk Nuggets, right? Nuggets up 3-2 to two as we tape this on a Wednesday morning in Pittsburgh. The Nuggets end up blowing up the Phoenix Suns tonight by a final of 118-102. to 102. And for the second time in the series, the Nuggets have the lead. This time, three games to two. That was fun to watch last night. After Phoenix... I guess, took care of business in their city, their home city, and evened up the series. You knew the Nuggets had to go home and take care of their own business in Game 5. And I thought they got out of the gate great. Uh, what were they up, like 10, 12, nothing, whatever that was. And uh, not a great second quarter, but they came storming out of the gate in the third quarter. And they win comfortably, which was, a, a win was paramount, obviously. But you wanted to win comfortably. And I thought they were able to sustain the distance between uh, themselves and the Suns, what they established early in the third quarter. For the remainder of the game, they win 118-102. And again, Jokic, just phenomenal. I think back to a few weeks ago when the playoffs were about to commence. And I, perhaps like you, uh, you know, listened to the various you know, talk shows, mostly on television, mostly, quite frankly, uh, on ESPN. I'm a big First Take uh, fan. I really like Stephen A. Smith, and and I like J.J. Uh, Redick and uh, I, the cast of characters they have. But when they're breaking down the NBA, in some circles, they said, well, there's pressure on 
um, you know, and they put various, you know, players. And they put Jokic in there. And for me, there's no pressure necessarily beyond normal pressure of wanting to win, of wanting to take a team that's really talented to a place they've never been with the Nuggets, and that's an NBA Finals and hopefully a, a championship. But for Jokic, he never, he never does not deliver. I mean, he is so consistent regular season, his previous postseasons. He doesn't, he doesn't do a disappearing act. There are other star level players that have peaks and valleys. It's rare that Jokic has that. He had fifty three the other day in a game. Because that was what was necessary to keep his team in it. And then on Tuesday night, he was just steady. He filled up all three categories that he typically does. He had 29 points. Oh, by the way, that's a really good outing. Even in today's NBA where the point totals typically are higher. He had 13 rebounds. Well, he's a seven-footer. He ought to get a lot of rebounds. And he always does. Oh, and the ball's in his hands, and he gets other people around him open, and he gets them the rock. 12 assists. 29, 13, and 12. Pass Will Chamberlain uh, on the all-time triple-double list uh, among centers. I mean, he's phenomenal. Just phenomenal. And it always begins with him. But what stood out to me in Game 5, and what is necessary in Game 6, and certainly if there's a Game 7, and I probably, again, like you, would not at all be surprised if this does come down to a 7th game at Ball Arena. And I do think the Nuggets would win a 7th game. I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope they can find a way in Game 6. The Nuggets have more balance. The Suns are a two-player team. Those two players are phenomenal. Kevin Durant, future first ballot Hall of Famer, we understand that. Devin Booker's phenomenal also. And his previous two games were out of this world good. You can look back at some of the games that a Michael Jordan had in the postseason, that a Kobe Bryant had, that a Magic Johnson, that a Larry Bird. I mean, go through the whole list. Go all the way back. Jerry West. You will not find a more efficient, a more efficient back-to-back games than Devin Booker put together. And... The numbers that he shot, and of course now adding the three-pointer in there, out of this world good. Well, in Game 5, he was still really good. He was 8 of 19, though, below 50%. Durant, 24 shots, he hit 10, below 50%. And they, they didn't get secondary scoring. They get it in bits and pieces here and there. But they can't put the full complement of guys out there that can score like the Nuggets. And though Murray had a subpar first half, he came on in the second, he ended up with 19. MJP, he had 19 as well. But it's other guys. You know, on on a night that Aaron Gordon was 4 for 13, KCP was 1 of 6 from the floor, there's 4th and 5th guys that can score. Bruce Brown had a huge game. So there's more scoring depth and... That, coupled with how the Nuggets got up and down the floor and how they got back defensively, I thought was the difference in the game. One of the other interesting things I gleaned from that is both teams shot 27 times from three-point range. 
And that's what the games come down to. We understand that for the most part in the NBA. It's threes and dunks or layups. And both teams shot 27. The Nuggets made 12. And the... Actually, they make, yeah, they made 12. And the um, Suns made 9. So right there is a 9-point differential. Um, it's going to come down to the same type of effort, the same type of efficiency... And holding the big two, Booker and Durant, uh, to below 50%. And they can't get 30 shots each. They cannot. I mean, they combined for 43 shots in Game 5. They have to keep them around that number. The game in Phoenix will be tough. I still expect it to go 7, but I expect the Nuggets to win. But it's fun to watch. It really is fun to watch. And then you're, then you're a step away uh, if it all works out. We'll be following it closely. All right, time to uh, move on to the Rockies. Speaking of a team that's actually playing um, well, we expected the Nuggets to play well. The Rockies the last couple of weeks have surprised some people who were, you know, piling dirt on them. And I'm not here to suggest that uh, they've become the 27 Yankees by any stretch. But they have played much, much better, and they're winning games. As we uh, get ready to... uh, Watched them play this afternoon against the Pirates, a chance to win another series. They've won seven out of nine, um, nine out of 14. It begins, as baseball typically does, with pitching and defense. And they're a defense which was atrocious for the first four weeks of the season. Worst in baseball, along with Oakland. They've played good defense lately. Not just making the everyday play, they've made on occasion... Uh, the spectacular play. We've seen Tovar make some special plays up the middle. We've seen uh, Brenton Doyle make a couple of diving catches uh, in center field. They're playing really good defense. They're putting outs away. And though their pitching is certainly not overwhelming, especially you you lose Herman, um, it's been serviceable. It has been solid if serviceable is not powerful enough. Even last night, Connor Siebold won his first major league game, and he does not have earth-shattering stuff, but he hung in for five innings. He gave up just one run. He got Carlos Santana with the bases loaded to fly out to the left, um, which negated an opportunity for Pittsburgh to get back in the baseball game. So they're getting enough Kyle Freeland has been really good. I know he lost in the the opening game against Mitch Keller here, but he was strong for seven innings, really strong. Gave up two runs in the seventh on a two-run home run by Rodolfo Castro. Mitch Keller um, was uh, spectacularly good that day. Four-hit complete game shutout, which you just never see anymore. Um, In the game last night, and this is uh, something that's changed over the first Oh, well, not initially. The Rockies won a couple of games in San Diego out of the gate, um, but then they struggled on the road. They struggled at home, as you know. They'd lost seven straight at home. But now they're scoring runs out on the road, which typically they don't do. Twice on this road trip, once in New York and last night in Pittsburgh, um, they hit double digits. They haven't done that in a couple of years out on the road. So they're they're putting better at bats together they're chasing less and they're able to score runs out on the road and let me tell you what again i'm not here to suggest that this team is a 90 win team or anything close to that but i do know this much from broadcasting for years whether you're a broadcaster whether you're a player whether you're a coach or you're a fan winning 
beats the shit out of losing. And so there's a bounce in the step of those guys in that clubhouse the last couple of weeks. And um, even among the broadcast team, there's a bounce in the step because we want to see the Rockies win. We want to see them do well. We want to see some of these young guys start to emerge. And we've talked a lot about Ezekiel Tovar. He keeps taking strides every day. We've talked about the Brenton Doyle effect how his speed has helped them offensively and defensively so far. Um, so you got to give them a little bit of credit. The last couple of weeks, they've been entertaining, they've been fun, and yes, they've played winning baseball. Big shout-out also to Jerickson Profar for the third time in his career. He had a two-homer game in Pittsburgh on Tuesday night. And quietly... Chris Bryant is having a very, very solid year. Played only 42 games last year uh, with a myriad of injuries after signing the the very lucrative seven-year deal. But Chris Bryant's been in the lineup virtually every day. He's hitting well over 300. He's hit some homers. He's got five. Um, He draws his walks. He is a tough out. He's a professional out in that uh, middle of that lineup. And... uh, That should not be overlooked. I would say so far, and I've mentioned this on television, the MVP of the Rockies through the first quarter of the season, and amazingly that's what we're up to, has been Elias Diaz. Elias Diaz has hit higher than virtually every player in baseball. I mean, he came into uh, the ballgame last night, I think, uh, fifth in baseball and hitting, uh, leading all catchers. He's driving in runs. He's hitting well over 400 with runners in scoring position. He's playing great defense. He had a couple of strike him out, throw him outs the other day. In catching three would-be base stealers. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed, hard-pressed to find a catcher playing better than Elias Diaz, who, yes, has been the Rockies' MVP to the first uh, 25% of the season. Um, another note, this was amazing. The Colorado Rockies, historically and notoriously known for playing long, long games, went 35 games to begin the season without playing a three-hour game in this new era of the pitch clock. They were the last team, there's 30 teams in Major League Baseball, the Rockies were the last team to actually play a three-hour game. They played a 3:06 game on Sunday in beating up the Mets in that uh, finale at City Field. And then the next day, they lost a 2-0 game in Pittsburgh. That was a great pitcher's duel we alluded to between Mitch Keller, who went the distance against Kyle Freeland. And that game went 155, third shortest game in the history of PNC Park, one of the shortest games in the history of the Rockies franchise. And so they went from the longest game of the year, a mere 306, which was average last year for them, to 155 uh, within 24 hours. But um, yeah, wanted to make note of that. And also one other thing about the offense, going back to that. So twice on this road trip, and if you go back to the last game they played at home in sweeping Milwaukee, they have scored double digits three times over the last uh, nine days. So some good stuff. Uh coming out of uh, the land of the Rockies of late. All right. Uh, Today is part two of my interview with uh, my old radio and television uh, friend and cohort, Scott Hastings. 
we talk some sports and we talk a lot of stories and we yuck it up again in part two. I know you'll enjoy it. This is, again, part two of my conversation with longtime Denver Nugget analyst and former NBA player Scott Hastings. Joker from 14 feet. Got it! Nothing but net for the two-time reigning MVP. Do you think he gives a shit whether he's MVP or not? No. Not at all. Somebody asked me that last night. He said, I haven't thought about it. If I win it, you're okay, whatever. I'm sure we'll celebrate. But he said, I I don't care. And and that's another great thing. I I think great players, I mean, you you know, and that's why it's the only thing that bothers me about Embiid, and I think he's a great player too. And I I hate it, and I know you do too, that when when you're trying to put an argument for your player, it seems like in today's society we just got to trash the other guy. I, I've never trashed Embiid. This guy is—he's is, not been. There's not been a more forceful interior score in the league since Shaq retired that Joel Embiid can be. He is just fabulous. Um, but but he's also chasing this, you know, and maybe maybe he's just not as mature yet or whatever. I mean, he, he is politics for it. He's chased it. Heck, for all we know, uh, Drew, he may have a $5 million bonus tied. You know, there might be some real motivation in there or something, but Joker doesn't care. He didn't care in the previous two that he's won. It didn't matter to him. This one doesn't matter to him. And and his longtime competitors and and lovers of, of the sports we get to cover, to be honest with you, it's a nice thing and it's a good little thing for Denver to have, but that's the old mentality. That's what that's what the Denver Nuggets have been. You know, you know, we we made the all had an all star. Hey, you know, we have the best for our coaches because it, it. Okay, okay, that's regular season. Yeah, the postseason is what matters, and you know what one that will be the most significant. Is when Joker's carrying, walking around in a parade downtown with the Larry O'Brien trophy and the Bill Russell MVP trophy. Now you've done something. Yeah. Amen to that. You're absolutely right. And I'll say this, and I've said this many times, you know, on different airwaves, including this podcast, is that, you know, as you well know, I'm from, I'm from New York and I grew up there and I'm, and I'm proud of that. I'm an adopted Colorado now. But one thing I, I always, that always, you know, gets in my craw, whether it's people dismissing offensive exploits of Rockies players because they play at altitude and Coors Field. The East Coast media, you know this, Scotty, they dismiss what happens not entirely out West. They'll pay attention to the Lakers. They'll pay attention naturally to Steph and the Warriors. They'll pay attention to the Dodgers and the Giants. But, you know, the Rocky Mountain time zone, uh, it just and I understand some of it because when the games are on, Scott, you've spent a ton of time back east. When the games are on, people are going to bed much. Later. There's no way. Maybe they'll see the first quarter. They ain't staying up for the for the second half. So I understand some of that. But it does piss me off when you don't do your homework, because whether it is Embiid or, or, or Jokic or in given years Antetokounmpo, 
They're all friggin' great. You don't have to tear one down to raise the other one up. Hey, I want to add, I, I was mentioning you, Steph Curry, you had talked about Steph, because I love going back. Scott, was Mahmoud Abdul Rauf in, in certain ways, Steph Curry before Steph Curry? Yeah. I, 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 probably no question. And, and, and he's, and he's, Listen, he's remembered fondly by by me and you. Great kid, former teammate of mine. Um, but the the you know nowadays you've got teams, Drew, that try to average over forty three point attempts a game. Now think about that. So forty three point attempts a game, and you're playing eighty two games. That's a whole lot of threes, right? Yeah. Um, when Mahmoud played, in particular with Denver, teams were averaging between three and four, two two point seven to you know I think the high in the league might have been four point three, and could have been even more. Uh, one year, Larry Bird averaged uh, forty shot forty three or forty five percent from the three point line. He shot four threes a game, three point seven. And he's, yeah. he's averaging 40, you know, 47% from the three, and he's only shooting at three and a half, four times a game. Um, if, if you'd have given Mock, Mock Mood in the majority of his career here, uh, 12 attempts a night, he's, he's making on a bad night four and on a good night nine. I mean, absolutely. From from anywhere. I mean, he could shoot it for a guy who weighed 150 pounds. Literally, he could shoot his conventional jump shot. Scott, we saw it a million times. He could shoot his conventional jumper from half court. No, he was he was a, a special dude. It was so neat when they, they pulled that uh, documentary on him this year. They got to do it. I got to uh, sit down and do some interviews for it. You just forget how great a player he was. You, you you probably and we didn't you know there wasn't social media or anything like that but when when he was playing here but where he came from from and how he was raised as far as basically an object poverty to become one of the great shooters in the game maybe finally remembered it now finally historically um, and also now doing that with a a a condition that no one had ever, I mean, I don't know about you, I had never heard of Tourette's until I became a teammate with Mahmoud. I, I, I'd never heard of that. I'd never seen anybody. You and I saw how how bad those ticks were at times, and and he could shoot him like that. Yeah, it, was, it, it, it was unbelievable, and, and he – you know, misunderstood, blacklisted, and, and the documentary is great, uh, Scotty. And, and he, super bright, super good guy. He used yep. to come, Scotty, if you remember, he used to come down and play at the old sporting club in the summer when, yep. and so I, I would, I know this sounds crazy, we, we'd play with him all the time. And I remember, you know, afterward, 
you know, he'd shoot and we'd be out there and he would, he had this drill. I'll tell it really quickly. He had this drill. Think about this. He had to make 25 straight jumpers. I'm not talking about five foot. I'm talking about 20, 22, 24, 26 foot jumpers. He had to make 25 in a row. So if he missed one, he added two on. So let's say he made five in a row. He's got 20 left to make. Oh, he missed a jumper. Now it's 22. Oh, he missed another one. It's 24. He would not leave the gym until he got down to zero. Uh, he, he, and, and he talked about that. I mean, that was part of the, the what he he said kind of his OCD, which is part of Tourette's, kind of uh, uh, made him a better shooter because of that right there. Right? Yeah. Because, you know, in his head, okay, that's not right, I got to do it. Yeah, he's a special guy, but you're right. Because you, man, I tell you what, I wouldn't mind him on this team. Oh, my goodness. More with Drew and Scott Hastings right after this. Spring is in the air. Heck. It is already spring, which means you better be sprucing up that uh, front yard, backyard, side yard. And the best way to do it is the way I've done it for years. Go to SteelDealers.com, S-T-I-H-L, SteelDealers.com, and they'll uh, provide you with a dealer right around the corner from you. And then check out all of their different products. You can order from home, and you will have that product when you go to the Steel Dealership. And uh, next thing you know, you'll be cooking around your property and it'll look top shelf. They have so many different products to uh, help you out from trimmers to chainsaws to uh, hedge cutters to lawnmowers. You name it. They make the best in the business. It's that simple. Steel, S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA.com or SteelDealers.com. And they are going to get your property right. Been telling you about Boyer's Coffee for four years now, and I've been drinking Boyer's Coffee for decades because it's the best. It is brewed here in the Rocky Mountains. They're a great community partner. They have so many different flavors. They have so many different products. If you go to BoyersCoffee.com, and it's very simple to get it delivered to your house. Just a couple of clicks. And uh, it'll be at your doorstep within 48 hours. That is how I get my coffee, my K-Cups. And I love it. It's great. And I have it morning and I have it evening as well at the ballpark. I've told you many times because Boyer's been a longtime sponsor of the Rockies as well. It's Boyer's Coffee. Check out their website. They've been brewing coffee since 1965 here in the Rocky Mountains. They're terrific. Boyer'sCoffee.com. Now, back to Drew and Scott Hastings. I have, whether it be a speaking engagement or just randomly, probably on, on a on a Rockies game once every couple of years, you're probably sitting at home, you're going, wait a second, Goodman's telling that story about, because <laughs> you have some all-timers. There's none better than, and I know you've told this a lot on the radio, but it's still, it's timeless, man. You're playing for Atlanta. Fratello's the coach. I'll I'll let you take it from there because you go in at halftime. I'm already going to have to correct you. It, it was it was worse than that. Oh. I'm playing for Detroit. Oh, it's Chuck Daly? And Chuck Daly's the coach. Oh, my God, that is worse. And we played out in the old, and you, you were out there many times, the old Atlanta Richfield Coliseum which was literally out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it, it, it looks like horror movies surrounding where this, it's like scary woods 
It's the Blair Witch Project, and all of a sudden there's a stadium there. <laughs> right? I mean, it's out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Right. Uh, we stay in this Holiday Inn a few miles away, uh, uh, which, I mean, you think about now, an NBA team staying in a Holiday Inn, uh, and the, the highlight of it is there was a Dairy Queen a block away from it, so you could go to this Dairy Queen. But, um yeah, we're going in there and we're playing Cleveland and, and, and that was, you know, kind of an inner rival, you know, want to win the game. It's a tough game and we're playing and, you know, it's, you know, it's really just a funny setup in the arena. Uh, we had this long kind of hallway where the, the delivery trucks would go to and right through the, the doors, the big giant doors would roll up was a locker room for the visiting team. I mean, it was, you know, no, Plus was not a word. Other than they, they did have a big bathroom. Um, so we go in at halftime, and all of a sudden the business hits me at halftime. I said, "Man, I'm gonna have to take a poop." And and so I kind of we get done. Chuck gets done talking. Baby and Bob, and all that. Guys are getting you know finishing tying their shoes back up. Whatever. I run in there, sit down and do my business. Get done. Everybody's out. No big deal. Just run down there. Well, I didn't realize. They locked the locker room. They, they locked the locker room. And it's not just, you know, push the button, undo it, whatever. It's, it's padlocked from the outside. Now all of a sudden panic sits in just a little bit. I'm going, OMG. <laughs> I'm locked in here. So I'm pounding on the door. Well, I just described it. We're all the way up down this big drive through for trucks near the front of the, the, the arena where the, the giant doors are to let these trucks in, and there's a security door down about another 10 yards and across this little thoroughfare. That's the closest person. And then there's another 40 yards to the, to the arena. <laughs> I start pounding on this door, and I'm, I'm in a whole, you know, this is my first year at the Pistons. I'm a full-blown sweat, panic, bing, 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 hadn't played yet, pound on the door, pound. Nothing's going on. All of a sudden, about 10 minutes into this pound on the door, I, I even tried to kick it, thinking I could break it. I mean, that's a, I mean, you, you, I wish there was a hidden camera in this room. I'm trying to, I'm trying to kick this metal door that's padlocked outside through, right? Nothing. Yeah. Sit down for a second. Start again. Finally, somebody goes, Someone in there? Which, when you think about it, that right there is a hilarity. Of the, someone fell on the door. And this guy had to think there was a ghost in the, in, in the work, right? He had to say, dude, the, well, the, the Coliseum is haunted. Someone's, no one's in there. It's padlock. And I'm yelling to the door. It's barely on. It's like, oh. It's like Charlie Brown's parents is all you can hear, right? I go, yeah, I'm locked in. I said, let me out. He goes, I got to find a key. Do you have any credentials? He should ask you for credentials. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I sit down. It's probably another five or ten minutes. All of a sudden I hear rattling, you know, because of the key. They had to go out. I guess uh, 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 their old trainer, which I can't remember his name right now, but one of the all-time great guys, he had the key. So they had to go out in the game, get the key, big and bump, oh, let me out. I can find walking down the hall. Now I'm thinking, how can I sneak in? Because I got to go the whole length of the court because the, the Disney team bench is all the way down on the far end of the court. 
So I'm trying to walk in. Do I walk on and through the courts? Oh, play is stopped. I look up. We're now in between the third and fourth quarters. I have spent the entire first quarter <laughs> locked in the slugger. So I walk down. I sheepishly sneak in on the court. I got to stand in the back of the huddle. I'm telling, you know, David Greenwood and, and Gerald Henderson, they're crying on the bench, right, because I got locked in. <laughs> I am just freaked out. I am in so much trouble. Come back in, da-da-da, we win the game. We go in the locker room, coaches talk. I go to my, my friend of mine who's one of the assistant coaches who I had when I was in Landon, uh, Atlanta, Brendan Spurs there. I go, hey, Brendan, man, I, I just want to say I'm sorry. He goes, sorry, what, what, what for? He goes, man, I missed the whole third quarter. I got locked. I had to go take a dump, and I got locked in the locker room. He goes, you what? So now I got to relay the story to him. He's crying. He goes, Chuck, Chuck, come here. So I'm going from now, I, 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 I'm going from, I'm in dead trouble, to all of a sudden, I'm at the improv in New York telling a story. <laughs> And I got one assistant coach crying. He's been over. He grabs Brendan Malone, Michael Malone's dad. He comes over. Chuck comes over. I start relating the story to them. I got these three grown men in tears because I got locked in the bathroom because I had to take a number two. And I thought I was in trouble. They just thought it was funny. And I'm thinking, dude. How important am I in this damn team when I can miss the entire quarter? I can miss the entire quarter, tell them of, of my escapades, and all they did was think it was funny. Now, I will say this. Looking back in hindsight, and as tense as that team was, and as intense as, as that coaching, and Chuck, to this day, in my opinion, one of the greatest coaches that's ever coached, um, they, they had brevity, right? They still had the ability to laugh at at funny situations, even in the heat of battle. But I did. I did sit down, end up having to tell the story. Yeah, I think Lambeer is the only guy that said something dicky. He says, shows how important you are, huh? And, and you know, but, yeah, that was uh, that was an all-timer. I thought I was in, tr- uh, uh, in trouble. Instead, I can honestly say, you know, I tried to, I've tried to gather up stories in my life, Drew, yeah. where I could say that, you know, I'm one of only a few people in the world that have ever done this. Um, <laughs> Getting get locked in a, in, a, in a locker room for an entire quarter is one. Uh, we'll do another podcast. I took a squirt off the Swillican Bridge one night in St. Andrews. And so every time I watch a golf tournament at St. Andrews <laughs> and I see these guys, take, you know, Jack taking his picture standing on the bridge and all this, that, I'm going – I took a pee off that one night. Um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I try to have these unique stories that are unique to me. And, uh, yeah, I'll tell you that story down the road someday. But I, I got one for you. I just remembered this uh, late last night after we talked. So you and I are in New York doing our radio show together when the Broncos are getting ready to play Seattle in the first Northeastern Super Bowl, right? It's a, it's at the Meadowlands, and so we're Scotty. It's great. I mean, we're we're in we're in the city. We're we're in Times Square. That was where the hotel was, and we have a week straight there. For me, it's it's particularly great because it's where I'm from and all my buddies. And and so after you and I and, and a bunch of guys and some of my buddies, we're going out to all hours every night, right? Well. 
what happened three straight nights at the Ray's Pizza next to the Sheridan in Times Square. I'll let you pick it up there. This is not BS. This is not embellishment. It didn't happen once, and we're making it more. Three straight nights, Ray's Pizza after at least 2 in the morning. I was going to say, I think the earliest was probably 2.30 right. uh, in the morning. We we become close friends with Stephen Tyler. <laughs> he's he's in there with his entourage, this, this gal, this other guy who's the head of his security, which I don't even know if you remember this, uh, was a wrestler at Pomona High School and knew all about us. Right. He was for Col- he was a Colorado kid. Yeah. And, and I, I got his number on my phone somewhere still also. But, um, yeah, and so we would sit there and, and, you know, Tyler talked to us a little bit, but we're mostly talking to Kim. But, yeah, that was the weirdest thing, and probably only in New York, that, that you know, we could sit there and say another unique story. Yeah, you know, I've, I've had, uh, you know, dinner a couple times with Steve and Tyler. Uh now it was three o'clock in the morning, and you know, God bless him. I hope he's all right. Right, I think he went into rehab again this year, so there might have been a reason he was still up at three o'clock in the morning. We were just being fools in New York. You, you and your boys, you had some interesting boys too. You took me out one time to some club. Isn't that a funny club? Yeah, we, he was in meat in the meatpacking district. Yeah, and, and you went into, and I don't even know if you ever used the bathroom. Went in the bathroom. They have these long, probably chest-high shelves of stainless steel right right next to the toilet. In the toilet is a long stand-up toilet you can probably put four people in. Right. And I'm thinking, why the heck would you have this? And I went, oh. Yeah, right? They're, they're catering to their clientele. Yeah. But, yeah, no, man, you and I have gone through it, dog. We, we've done some funny things, and. I uh, had some battles and had some, you know, <laughs> worked for dummies, worked with dummies, uh, worked with great people. Uh, we, we've had an adventure, my friend. Yeah, it, it's been fun. And it just, listen, I, I'm smiling ear to ear because there's so many, there's there's some stuff we haven't gotten to and we'll do it at another time. But Steven Tyler, three straight nights at a Ray's Pizza after whatever, 2.30 in the morning. Um, just that, that, yeah, there were some good times that new until the Super Bowl, until they kicked the ball off. Great. Hey, that was a great week until they kicked it off. Yeah. The best thing about that Super Bowl is that we got to leave or I did. I don't, I don't know if you stayed down. We got uh, to leave Saturday morning, right? And yeah. come back and at least we got to watch it at home. A hundred percent. Hey, Scotty, absolute joy. I appreciate you jumping on. It's uh, a special one for me. 200, uh, in a row, not knowing what I'm doing on this thing, but uh, just getting together with, with good friends and, and shooting the shit like this is is awesome, and we'll, we'll do it again. Hey, most importantly, uh, continued good luck. Keep kicking those guys in the in the tail, and and hopefully, just like the Abs a year ago, we get a parade here uh, later on in the spring. Man, continued success. You've had a great run. I'm proud of you. Uh, love you, and I'll talk to you soon. Love you, my brother. Talk to you later. Scotty is nothing uh, if not entertaining. And um, as I said last week, and I've said multiple times, he's one of those guys, even though you know you, we, we don't see each other every day like we used to when we were doing radio and we were doing uh, games together, uh, when we do visit on the phone typically, 
uh, it, it becomes a really long conversation, uh, and there's a lot of laughs <laughs> and a lot of giggling. So uh, it, it's great that we could share some of that over the last couple of weeks with all of you. Before we uh, move on, wanted to mention Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, you read it in the last uh, couple of days. Gabriel Landeskog, who missed all of this year, uh, the captain of the Colorado Avalanche. He was announced that he's going to have cartilage replacement surgery. Uh, in his knee and will miss next year as well, the entire season. So he'll miss two full years and then you, you cross your fingers because who the heck knows after two years and a surgery that uh, I had never heard of, which means nothing because I ain't a doctor, but you know, can a world-class athlete come back from that and play at the highest level, and can he still play at the same level that he did before? The bar is really high for a player of the talents of Gabriel Landeskog, who plays a really physical game, as you well know, additionally. So your fingers are crossed. You wish for the absolute best. I guess there's some clarity, and that is a good thing from the organization's standpoint, because you know that you're going to have $7 million dollars in uh, long-term injury money that you can spend next year. I would guess, and this is certainly just a guess, they would be more inclined to do a stopgap type of addition for next year utilizing those dollars. You know, a Patrick Kane, a Ryan O'Reilly, the names that came up around the trade deadline, as opposed to making a move for someone, a, you know, they, they need a top six forward, um, preferably a center. And to get somebody who has multiple years left and do some sort of trade, now you are making it more difficult long-term with some of the folks that you want to keep in the fold um, beyond next year. So, as always, it will be a fascinating offseason. But once again, at least you have an idea of what you're dealing with. All year, there was this feeling like, okay, when is Landis Scott coming back? Will he come back? And initially, in the, the first part of the season, it wasn't, um, will he come back? It was just when he was going to come back. And then, you know, as time wore on and we know how tight uh, NHL teams keep information when it comes to injuries. It became clearer and clearer that he may not come back until really uh, it was uh, revealed uh, very, very late in the season in the playoffs that he wasn't going to play. And so now you know next year he's not going to play. And again, you hope for the best moving forward beyond that. But now you can build your roster and hope to make another run and know exactly um, who you're going to have and who you potentially could add with the, uh, with the money that you save with Landeskog being out next year. Um, I will say this. I've said it um, many times over the last couple of years. Um, I've been in this town for, uh, in this state for 37 years, and you can talk about some great leaders that have represented our professional teams in this town there has been none better from a leadership standpoint 
inside a locker room, on the field, or in this case, ice, and how they represented themselves and their organization publicly when meeting with the media or just out and about. Nobody has ever done it better than Gabriel Landeskog. And he's not someone I, I, I know, but just watching him and talking to many people that interact with him on a regular basis, I can say that with great confidence. There's nobody who has been better in our town from a leadership standpoint than Gabriel Landeskog in athletics. So we wish him uh, all the best uh, as he undergoes uh, this cartilage replacement surgery. Again, hadn't hadn't heard of that one, but hopefully it's uh, it's tremendously successful, and we see Landis Scott doing his thing again uh, a little more than a year from now as a member of the uh, the Avalanche and standing in front of the net and and standing up for guys as he always as he always does on the ice. All right, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll come with a, a fresh new podcast next week as we always do. Time to head to the ballpark and uh, see if the Rockies can conclude what's been a, a very good road trip with a victory uh, over the Pirates. We'll do it again in seven days. Y'all stay well, stay safe, take care. Take care.